Make no mistake, leading a public university is mind-boggling amid a devastating pandemic and demographic shifts slashing the number of college-age people. In addition to the evolving economy, emerging technology, and politicization of government spending on higher education, the challenges are great. One of the six people entrusted to manage a state university in the Kansas Board of Regents system is Tisa Mason, president of Fort Hayes State University. She no doubt has a grip on all these challenges. Don't forget issues like tuition affordability uh, regarding the business of operating Fort Hayes, but broader questions also facing colleges and universities nationwide. President Mason, welcome to the Kansas Reflector podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's good to have you. Thanks for taking time out of your busy day. I know you got a lot of things to do. So perhaps we can begin by offering people kind of a 60-second introduction to Fort Hayes. Fort Hayes State University is a, an amazing, best-value university in the United States. We're list, we are located in western Kansas, and we have options for students to come to campus for a traditional experience, and we have an online options that students from across the United States and globally participate in as well. We're one of six um, universities that has been certified by the United States Distance Learning Association. And that means they've looked at our classes and they've interviewed our students to make sure that we have the quality of an online product. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of experiential education and we've always been focused on helping rural Kansas in particular with economic prosperity. All of those things you just said are really important. I like experiential learning. I think rural Kansas, you know, really needs access to higher education that's affordable and within their neighborhood. And, um, and online education, I think your Fort Hayes was ahead of its time. We've been doing that for more than 25 years, and we started off in distance education back in the day, actually in 1902 with correspondence courses. T telegraphing uh, <laughs> information back and forth. Okay, uh, Ms. Mason, if you could just please introduce yourself. I know you were at Fort Hayes as an administrator before, left, came back, so a little bit about you. Well, um, I think most importantly to the higher education journey is I'm a first-generation college student. So uh, my family didn't have a lot of money. My high school guidance counselor told me I wasn't smart enough to go to college and that my family couldn't afford it anyway. And now I am the president of a university, so I tell that story not to brag, but to lift up other people who've heard the same message and knowing that if you work hard and you come to a high-value institution like Fort Hayes State University, you have an opportunity to move forward in your life. My high school counselor was named Charlie Brown, which was sort of amusing and why I didn't <laughs> take it seriously when he strongly discouraged me from going to college. I said, have you visited college recently? It's a blast. Anyway, so let's check in some of the challenges you face as president at Fort Hayes. Uh, and and, and bits, uh, part of this can be about what you're trying to accomplish there in sure. these areas. So first of all, let's get through COVID-19, the pandemic. How has that affected the institution? Well, we've certainly had some challenges with enrollment like every other, well, most institutions. Up to the time of the um, pandemic, we had 19 consecutive years of growth. I mean, who does that? Fort Hayes does that. Um, but in terms of on campus, definitely um, when you talk about coming out to the western part of the state, it was much harder to recruit students. We know that if we can get high school students for the traditional age to come and visit our campus, about 76% of those students will select Fort Hayes State University. 
So that's been a challenge, not being able to have that personal relationship building time and to get them on our campus. Um, our online students, we've had a little bit of a drop in online students. Um, right now, that's becoming an even more competitive space. But what I know is that we have more than 25 years of experience in improving our technologies and our pedagogy and of developing relationships and having different types of experiential learning through our online college. So we will weather that storm. But we have a lot of adult learners and adult learners in the medical field, for example, had to stop out because they were dealing with a crisis. Um, one of the things we've been really proud of is that the past uh, decade or more, we have continued to increase the number of Kansans we served. That's been a unique position, I believe, of the Kansas Board of Regents. We did drop a little bit, but we're really happy that this fall our online Kansans is up and we're spent, we are serving over 7,500 students in the state of Kansas. So if you look back over the last five years or so, I think the overall enrollment at Fort Hayes is it's in the 14,000 range Correct. in terms of students. Are we talking about that's on campus or is that on campus and online as well? It's it's on campus, online, and through our cross-border partnerships as well. Okay. It's inclusive of everything. But uh, but it's down slightly. It is down slightly. Yeah, which is a trend that we see. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's hurt K-State. Um, I think this semester KU is kind of flat, but... There's other institutions in Kansas and other states that are feeling the effects of, of enrollment trends and the decline in student age population. Everybody knew this demographic was coming. It's not just the decline in students that are college age. It is more concerning that it's a decline of college age students in Kansas that are opting out of going to college. That's where I think our big trouble is. Because education is the great elevator? It can be. Um, certainly, there's a lot of data um, to show that people who go to college uh, end up having more profitable careers. Um, and there's a lot of different benefits from even their, um, their medical health in terms of how that has impacted their life with a college education. Sometimes it doesn't seem like obvious on the surface, but there's a lot of benefits to going to college. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are very much about the profession, but there's so much more involved in a college education and learning about who you are as a learner and how you can contribute to society in multiple ways. So although we love to count degrees, which are really important, there's so many other benefits that are important to a well-run society. Yeah, I think it's a real eye-opener. You see and meet people and, and hear things that maybe you didn't hear in your kind of cloistered world of home, et cetera, or wherever you came from. So it's really valuable to broaden your horizons. So what do you think the reason is that some of these students, these potential students, are turning away from college? Is it affordability? Is it the cost, the upfront cost of that investment? Well, I know the Board of Regents has traveled with groups across the state of Kansas, and they hear affordability um, all the time as part of that message. But I really wonder if there's more than affordability, you know, because affordability is really a personal value. So there's something more important sometimes going on in people's life or what their desires are for their life. Um, and I say that because Fort Hayes is an affordable institution. And I mean, our tuition this year is $5,444. 
for the entire year for for tuition and fees mm -hmm. for a um, that's for yeah a academic year the okay. national average eleven thousand one hundred and seventy one the Kansas Board of Regent Institution average nine thousand and twenty six dollars yeah. there's no question that affordable in terms of affordability and the six state universities Fort Hayes is the top of that pile right and it's a value proposition because it's not just about um, the the money that you pay but you want value so value also means quality so when you look at our success rate for students getting jobs or going on to grad schools in the 90th 90 percent and higher if you look at the licensure rates that our nursing our teachers our psychologists they're all a hundred percent or in the high 90s so we know that we're delivering a really good product. So if you want to go to college, there's a great opportunity for you, for you at Fort Hayes. And on top of that, we do a lot of scholarshiping. Our donors have been generous. For our traditional age students, we have a very transparent policy where you can go on, you can put in your ACT, your GPA, and you can see exactly how much your entry level scholarship will be. And if you want to improve it, you can improve it. If you take your ACT, you get it higher, you might get more money. If it goes lower, we always give you the best that you earned. Mm -hmm. So we'll go back to the other one. Well, there's, there's various sources of, of money that universities work with, tuition, endowment support, but also allocation from the taxpayers. There's, mm -hmm. there's both federal and state dollars that go into this. And community college has have local monies, money as well. So what do you think about the willingness of lawmakers to invest in public education? I think over the years it's been a dwindling percentage of the total. It has, and it's been difficult for Fort Hayes because of the way we're funded is through a block grant. So as we've had 19 consecutive years of growth, there's been no dollars to support that. And so that makes managing the affordable tuition a little bit more challenging. Whereas uh, if an institution loses enrollment, they still have the same amount of money, um, even though they're serving less students. And of course, we're serving less students right now as well, and we're managing through that very proactively, but keeping our eye on affordable success. Mm -hmm. So all of this boils down to a bottom line, and I'm wondering, other institutions have cut staff, cut faculty, reduce academic programs. Have you made adjustments at Fort Hayes along those lines? We have done budget cuts, but we really believe it's important to do everything that we can not to furlough. We have not been in the position to furlough. We have not um, eliminated positions because of the budget. Um, we have done position review and cut back that way. Um, so we've reduced some positions, but no one's lost their job. Um, you know, it's important to take care of your people during this time. And for our local economy, um, keeping our people employed is also keeping our area um, more prosperous as well. Um, so we've done really well. We've been in a good position because we've been financially successful. So we can absorb a little bit. But we still are maintaining an operating budget of cash flow in and cash flow out. And in fact, at the end of last fiscal year, we were able to save money and put it back into our reserve. Hmm. So Fort Hayes, has, as you mentioned, long online presence with students in China. Can just explain what, what that is, what you have going on, uh, 
And uh, I, I think COVID bit into that a little bit, but really tell us about what that uh, operation is about. Well, our China program really isn't about online because we have two primary campuses there, one at Siyashi University and one at um, Shenyang Normal University. And our partner startship started with um, Siyashi University. And the founder of that institution wanted his students more than 20 years ago to have a dual degree, one in China and one in the United States. And in, in forming that partnership, it was really important that it was a Western education. So it's important that he saw Western faces, that there's Western culture taught, that the classes are in English, and that is the formation of our partnership. And so when we have more than, we've typically had more than 4,000, I think we're down to about 36 right now in China, we have faculty that live on campus or in, in the area. We've got at CS University, there's one residence hall, so to speak, it's apartments, just for international faculty. So they live there, they raise their families there, their families become bilingual, they become part of the culture, and then they teach in English, and many of those students will get a dual degree, and then some of the unplanned students that didn't pass the college entry um, exam in China might, get, might also get a degree from Fort Hay State University if they're able to, to do the coursework. That's different, forgive me for calling it online. I, I just didn't realize that. I thought maybe you had faculty there, but also faculty maybe at Fort Hayes teaching online, but the presence of, of instructors from all, kind, all, all over the place? There, there is some exception now during COVID. There mm -hmm. is some online teaching going on, but um, actually the Chinese government has not been that much of a fan of online education, but our China program is face-to-face the families live there and, and teach there in English. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks for clarifying that. I didn't realize that. So, um, okay, people in China are benefiting. How are Kansans benefiting from this kind of affiliation? I think there's two ways. So from a practical way, the money that we make off of China has helped us reduce our tuition for Kansans. And that's been one of our strategy. You know, you can either um, serve more students or you can raise tuition. And so we found ways to serve more students. In Kansas, as we talked about, we've had a growing Kansas population. In the United States, through the military, we have a very strong military presence as well, and through all over the globe. So the special cross-border partnership that we have where our faculty live and teach face-to-face -face in China is unique um, and has been very successful and helping. From an idealistic perspective, I think um, obviously the Chinese government and Chinese people are an important part of our global leadership. And to have people who have an affiliation with um, people who are from the United States and have a relationship and think maybe a little differently than some of the political jargon is not a bad thing either. Definitely. Have you ever been to China? I go every single year, except for the last two years. Sure. Every year we fly over there, and I get on stage and hand every one of those students a diploma from Fort Hay State University. Wow, that's and interesting. And some of them are so, um, just so appreciative of the opportunity to have this degree. So what kind of, th what kind of opportunities do those graduates have from China? Can gives them a greater capacity to work 
in other countries in English? I think the fact that they have an American degree is looked up looked upon very highly in China and the, for those that have the dual degree, that's obviously very impressive to have a new degree from two different institutions, one in China, one in the United States. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking forward here, uh, skipping away from China, but I'm thinking about the system of higher education. There's 30-some universities, community colleges, technical colleges in Kansas that uh, the Kansas Board of Regents has authority over. Do you think going forward, economics or academics will make the argument that there needs to be mergers of some of these institutions. Um, the word merger's been around for a long time, and um, certainly there's been history of some successful, some unsuccessful, but I think when we talk about efficiency, the ability to deliver um, education more broadly now that we have uh, innovative technology, that a lot of those discussions will continue and should continue. But I think sometimes we lose in the rhetoric the fact that we have a lot of articulation and partnerships. Um, we have even um, students who will get a pre-engineering degree from Fort Hayes. They'll also be like a three plus two and they'll go to K-State and they'll get a dual degree there. Um, one from Fort Hayes and one in engineering. And so we've got a lot of partnerships where we kind of um, cross-fertilize, if that's the right word, or cross-pollinate um, and work cooperatively with the technical and community college. For a very long time, the um, North Central Technical Community College has a branch campus in Hayes. Well, our presidents decided instead of Hayes trying to build support services, we created a gateway program. Those students pay the student a student success fee to Fort Hay State University. They live, if they want to, in our residence halls. They use our tutoring system. They come over for health and um, wellness services. They can take some of our classes as well. Um, they're on our rodeo team. And so they get a full experiences, which is very efficient rather than the Hayes North Central Tech campus trying to rebuild all of those and duplicate it. That's another example. So I think there's more efficiencies than we're aware of, but with innovation and technology and focus, I think we can do even more. Mm -hmm. Do the economics of Western Kansas influence what kind of academic programs you offer? Absolutely. Um, really the needs of the communities really drive what we wanna do. So one of the programs that we have been successfully growing is our social work program both online and we now have a master's degree online as well as on campus. We started with cohort um, programs in Dodge and Liberal and Colby where um, we would uh, go and have a small group there at the community college to start teaching them and then we've supplemented that with online as well. We know from transition to teaching and this cohort model that when we can go into a community and help educate and career up, if you will, some of these students, then it's easier for them to stay in place and get a job and live in Dodge and live in Colby. And that's really important as well to the success of our state. Yeah, I think you're right. So I think deep in your past, you were executive director of a national sorority. doesn't matter which one. <clears throat> I'm curious about your take on the future of Greek organizations at colleges and universities. There's been some controversy. 
honestly, it's a very frust it's very frustrating to me. Very frustrating because I know um, why we were founded. I know um, how we should be acting. I know um, the many, many, many benefits that come from a membership in a fraternity or sorority that is um, culturally aligned with our purpose and our mission. And when the culture of a group is misaligned, it's a very difficult situation to manage. It pulls the good down with the bad, but the bad and some of the expand uh, some of the examples are are horrific, and so it's a difficult challenge. Um, I Reform hate must be tough. Reform must be tough if you're part of a national office trying to get, and you have uh, chapters at a hundred universities. Exactly, it's hard to get your finger on what's going on at at Wyoming State University. That's a hundred different cultures, a hundred different alumni sets that all have different thoughts about what their experience is and how they define it. There's advisory boards, there's national people, there's a lot of people to try and align it. And I know from working at a national organization, we all want the good experience. We all want good men and women who learn how to serve philanthropically in their communities and do good work. And it gets all messed up when horrible situations happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's clearly opportunities for good. Good things are happening, but the, the people that grab the headlines are the, are the knuckleheads. So there are three presidents in Board of Regents universities that are on the outs. I think uh, Emporia State's president has resigned to take another job in higher ed, but Pittsburgh State and Kansas State uh, presidents are retiring. Uh, so they're stepping down. So what what kind of significance is there to having half of the six state universities uh, with vacancies and, and leadership transition? Well, as you can imagine, being a university president in these days is a very difficult job. In fact, I believe the Gallup poll said the most difficult job right now is the president of the United States, and the second most difficult is being a pastor, and the third, no, CEO of the hospital, a pastor and a college president. Maybe I don't have the order right, but those were the top four. President of the United States, which is obvious, a pastor, a college president, and the CEO of the hospital. And of course, a CEO of a hospital and a uh, university president, we have a lot in common in terms of having um, you know, professional expertise through faculty or physicians and administrators that are trying to make administrative decisions in terms of different cultures there. Um, but my point is, not to get sidetracked, is that it's a very <laughs> difficult job. I think if you did some research, you'd find out that the turnover rate is higher hmm. now. Um, at any day, you can look and find a vacancy open um, it's a very challenging job. So, um, so why is why are there vacancies? Is is the job just so difficult with fundraising and academics, and budgets and sports and just having thousands of people uh, like a small town uh, under your uh, under your control, so to speak? That's it. It's just so overwhelming that people just decide to remain the the vice president of academic affairs, or they decide to remain the distinguished professor of engineering, those kind of things? Well, I think there's a lot of things going on. I think that um, society has become 
more complex, maybe not. Maybe it's just the information that we have or the the, the crisis of the day. So um, I think they're they're very demanding. They're very public jobs. They're twenty four seven jobs. There's a sense of pace with the job. There are a lot of uh, political environments to manage. Um, from what's happening on your campus with your students. How are your faculty? Are you being innovative enough? Are you going to be able to change it? What's going on with the Kansas Board of Regents? Who are your bosses? What's going on with the legislators? Do they like you? Do they not like you? Are they going to fund you? I mean, it goes on and on and on. Um, So there's a lot of pressure. So I want some good colleagues um, to step up, and there's some good people out there, um, but I do think people think about whether or not this is a job for them. And I think that's an important decision to make. I know when I stepped up to be president, I was told you better want this job because you're going to have to work really hard to keep it. You have to be all in. You have to be all in, definitely. And I do worry a little bit about um, losing some of the institutional knowledge, as you you pointed out. Um, A lot of times the, the peers that I would turn to to say, hey, I'm really struggling with this, You've got more um, time under your belt. Can we just chat confidentially? Um, you know, that starts to shift when peop- when the tenure's turning over. Mm-hmm. Final question here. What uh, can you tell us about one of your favorite college classes? You know, I um, was a anthropology and sociology major. And I just really loved cultural anthropology. Every semester would be a different culture that we would study. Um, And one of my favorite classes in sociology actually was medical sociology and learning um, about all of the uh, different aspects that go on in in a hospital. So I don't know. I loved college. Um, I loved my faculty. And I'm so appreciative. I've got to tell you that my freshman chemistry, so I started pre-med. Mm-hmm. And then I took freshman chemistry and decided that pre-med was not where I was going to be. <laughs> and I remember sitting after failing an exam in his office crying and he giving me tissues and saying, you know what, Tisa, I know that you are going to be very successful at this institution in life. And I have never forgotten that mm-hmm. piece of encouragement. And that's what I try to do as president from this, this day forward is to find those that are struggling give them some encouragement and celebrate everyone that's doing well at the university and in life. We just had homecoming. Great time to say thanks for making your alma mater proud. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we'll have to leave it there. I want to thank Tisa Mason, president of Fort Hayes State University, for joining us on the Kansas Reflector podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you.